Welcome to Sports, Clicks, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 42 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. Sorry for the uh, five-minute delay here. Uh, Mr. Husong, welcome to the building. Thank you. It's good to be here. Always. That was on me. The, the delay was my fault today. It wasn't Sean's. It was me. Well, I mean, Sorry. what's five minutes? A- absence makes the heart grow fonder, they say. You're all welcome, then. <laughs> um, how was your weekend? Anything exciting? Uh, it was good. A lot of uh, lot of work this weekend on the uh, the ice cream parlor. Oh, yeah. We haven't really talked out. about that here. So do you want to uh, announce that you're uh, going to be an ice cream entrepreneur, empire <laughs> king of all creams so in reality my wife is going to be a uh, ice cream entrepreneur queen gotcha. of all things uh we we decided to open up this business i'm going to stick with running my current businesses and she is uh le- leaving her corporate job and is gonna go run an ice cream parlor full-time and she's uh we're going all in so my involvement is very heavy right now of getting the space ready and building it up and, and getting them stuff and the machines and all that which by the way Soft serve ice cream machines are insanely expensive. In case you were ever thinking about picking one up for the house, I would highly recommend buying a car instead. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. Our kids are very excited. Friends are very excited. We've, we've actually gone out and found 15 employees. I say we like I had anything to do with that whatsoever. I didn't do anything. Uh, but I was there when they were trained, and uh, we're trying to get it up and running. And uh, the goal is to be at least ready to open by the weekend this coming week. But there's a lot of things that have to fall into place for that. So still the goal, still working uh, around the clock to get it ready. Very excited about it. I'm very happy for my wife that she's uh, she's taken the plunge. Um, I think there's a track record for the most part of somebody like me who does decide to go off on my own and open a business. I, I you guys, I've talked to you guys for an hour a week. I have no business owning a business. I, like, I'm an idiot. There's no reason for me to be doing it. And it's the people that really should be that, that never want to take the risk on and be like, no, that's too dangerous. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm happy for her. It's going to be called Charlie's Ice Cream out in Camilla. It's going to have a drive through window um, out on Casson Road behind Cam's Pizzeria. So if you're in the area and you want some really good ice cream and some friendly service, come on by. Yeah, so we're we're all fingers crossed for this weekend, but hopefully here in the next uh, week or so-ish. Yeah, you know, it turns out there's a lot of inspections that need to be done when you're trying oh, to... Welcome to New York, my friend. Oh, my goodness. Like, I, have to get an, I, I had to get a uh, grease trap put in. Oh, I yeah. Had, uh, listen, this, it's I, been crazy. I, I, know, I know all about that. Yeah. And I know about, you know, I mean... Uh, Two thousand dollar blenders were a part of my uh, life at one point, so yeah, yeah that's crazy. No, they're still there, you yeah. know. I mean, a brand new soft serve ice cream machine is in excess of thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Like, and yeah. you can't have just one. Obviously. A lot of cones, a lot of cones have to be sold oh to make God, up for man. that. Yeah, we got We got to get. Did you do business. the math? Uh, not yet. I'm, okay, good. I'm a little too afraid <laughs> to do the math at this point, but right now it's more or less a hey, look, let's just get it in, get it up, get it open. Well, it sounds like we're going to do a live remote at Charlie's. It sounds. like. I love so. it. All right, well, so. maybe I'll check with the boss because right now the corporation is formed. She is the president i am the vice president she is mario i am luigi so i get a voice but it's ultimately her show it's one and a half voices to one yeah, voice it's so. Like, yeah it's, it's so sometimes it's two and a half sometimes, sometimes yeah. you lose sometimes every now and then i i get it but it's a we, we discuss things and thankfully my wife and i actually do have a pretty good relationship well, so that's good. more often than not we're able to come to an agreement without either of us trying to drop a veto card on the other well i hope i hope that charlie's uh is the uh next empire of ice cream and right here is the birth of it so good luck to you thank you sir and the missus yes all right, so let's talk another about hometown stuff here. A little exciting town. Uh, you know, I I know you came from Buffalo, but you clearly have uh, ties to Syracuse. Would you agree with me that Syracuse, the city of Syracuse, is a Syracuse University basketball city? I would agree. It's a Syracuse basketball town. I mean, it is the, I don't know if it's the, the complete lifeblood of the city, but it's kind of what, even if you're not really a sports fan or a basketball fan, if they're doing good, everybody's happy, and we're at a point where uh, everybody's happy. We're dancing. We're into the Sweet 16. Two upset victories. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Here it is. Look, I brought it out. <laughs> another another uh, Jeff Allen artwork special here. So I don't know if he's still making these. These are from last year, I think. So, um, But, yeah, Buddy Beheim, not just the coach's kid, put up 30 and 25 back-to-back games, kind of moving them through uh, – 
moving them through two upset victories. All right, in full disclosure, I've been a bit of a Buddy Beheim doubter for most of his time at SU. I, I have. I, it, it, that, it never was anything against him. He seems like a great kid, and he, he does have talent, but it was always do, a... Real like, quickly, do you think he looks like oh the... God. What? I don't know. What are you going to say? The... What's eating Edward... What's, the, yeah, what's Edward eating Grape, Gilbert Grape? Gilbert Grape Edward, version of Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Kinda, you're a bad person. Oh. I mean, not, I don't think that's is Leonardo DiCaprio still right. That's I fair. mean, I mean, it's not, well, sort yeah. of. It's yeah. not Doc. Yeah, no, I guess that's a, that's All a right, weirdest compliment sorry. ever. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, but I'll tell you what, I'm I'm becoming a believer quickly with this tournament, and he does have a knack for showing up big. Like he he does, he steps up. He, and this year in particular, this the last two games as a level, I didn't think he had in him. I, I really didn't. I didn't think on that stage with that kind of pressure, I didn't think he had that in him. And I'm I'm blown away. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Jim. Um, Jim, like we're on a first name yeah. basis. I'm happy for Coach Bayheim. I guess is the way I should have differentiated that. Uh, and I'm happy for the town because ultimately, yeah, this is a college town. This is, a, this is an SU basketball above all else because that has been the biggest of the major sports uh, – for SU, this has been their winningest team. Obviously, lacrosse is up there, too, with a much less of a following, but still a big deal. So, yeah, I think it's it's great for the town. It's great for the local economy. Well, it would be it if would we be. would stop getting such late games or if people were just allowed to, you know, stay at a bar until the end of it and spend yeah, more money. Let the owners kick them out instead of the government. I mean, that'd be a weird change of pace if we tried that. And so, you know, I, there was some this sentiment a little bit about the uh, what you were talking about with uh, Buddy Beheim here that – um, you know, is he just the coach's kid? Was he supposed to be here? I mean, you know, he does have another son who's not on the team, right? He plays for another university. So it's not like it's just a, a walk-in. And, you know, I, you know, was the recruiting process probably pretty easy? I'm guessing. I it, hope. Right. But I mean, I think he's, I think he's a division one player. For sure. Like, you know, it's not like he's, he was ever, it was ever like that kind of in, in doubt. Um, you know he's tall. He's he has some size. He's he's somewhat athletic. He looks you know he he moves around the court okay. It's not like he's some stiff out there. So he's he's a player, and when he gets hot, you know he can shoot over almost anybody because he's so tall. And you know they they just he was on fire. So I think he was like seven for ten in the first game and six for thirteen in the second game. So I mean thirteen three pointers for two rounds. That's He's been the difference in the right. game. Right, he's, he's been the reason. I mean, Dolce has played awesome, too, so sure. don't get me wrong. He's not a uh, a scoring machine, but he does so many other things that kind of really propels them to win. So, um, But, yeah, Buddy Buckets, that was the uh, thing that was kind of coming over the uh, the Internet. I guess that was his – I never heard of him until this year, but apparently he's been called Buddy Buckets his whole life. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, but, I, listen, I, I don't want to take anything away from Buddy Beheim when I say I was a doubter. He's absolutely – Always has been an NCAA sure, Division yeah. One basketball player. There's no, there's no doubt about that. It was. I'm just listen, a, it is easy. To, it's easy pickings, right? To kind of make fun of the coach's kid. Obviously, I listen. I spent most of my childhood as the coach's kid. All right, <laughs> so I, I got it, and it, and it was you get used to it, and you take it on the chin. But it's a. I I always viewed it as okay. He would play somewhere else if he wasn't playing here. I'm not sure he'd play on a better program than here. Probably this is probably the and if he did get to Duke or wherever else he wouldn't be a starter like he wouldn't he wouldn't start three years he would have been on the bench or coming off as a six man and I, I listen I could be wrong I mean, some of this has to you know again I don't think this is this has been the uh, the best uh, few years of recruiting here at Syracuse and so when when you don't have those top tier players coming you you, you take what you can get at this point sure. and so he's he's clearly. You know, I think, like I said, I agree with you. He's clearly a Division One player. It's not even a question of that. I know there was some question of discussion of that, but I don't think that's necessarily true. I, and, and listen, I, he's played hot. Like so, when you make three pointers, uh, you get on TV and you make a run in the dance. That's uh, how you you get your name out there. So, uh, next up for the uh, Orange is uh, the Houston Cougars. Cool. Yeah, I mean, there are two seeds, so the whole bracket is kind of busted. If you look at the other rest of the bracket, uh, we play the winner if Syracuse wins or whoever wins the Syracuse-Houston game. We'll play the winner of Loyola-Chicago, the 8 seed, and Oregon State, the 12 seed. This is a weird year. Yeah, so we got a 2-11, an 8, and a 12. So Syracuse wins. They literally could be the home team if Oregon State wins. That'd be kind of funny as an 11 yeah. seed. Yeah. Huh? And with a chance to play for the Final Four at that point. Yeah, like, this is a crazy year for college basketball. There's just no yeah. getting around it. But I feel like college basketball has been on this trend as more and more uh, of the truly elite players go straight to the NBA, and even the top-tier guys go one and done. 
that it's I, I don't begrudge anybody this. I'm not lamenting it or complaining about it or anything else. It just does have a negative impact on college basketball. Yeah, I mean, I say, the, the tournament used to be made up of really good teams. Now the tournament's made up of kind of like a bunch of, you know, you have these the seasoned veterans on these middle school, you know, these middle-tiered teams that have played together for four or five years together. They got, you know, the same starting crew, and they've kind of figured each out, out and they, they know how to win in, in certain situations, and they can make a run. Or you do get a guy who, you know, they came, they were one and dones, they came, and they just carried the team. Though Sometimes you get those teams. For sure. Um, but you don't have these full, like, where you had three or four NBA players on your team, and, you know, you were watching really two good teams, which I've mentioned this to you before. Is I, I watch so much NBA basketball that college basketball is just, it's an inferior game, so you have to kind of like I have to adjust my my mindset when I'm watching it. It's much more about the emotion and the kids and whatnot. So versus how good these guys are, which is what the NBA is, these guys are ridiculous. So and it used to be like back in the days of the the Jordan Ewing Bird Magic. Even back there, it was you had at least three, probably four years of these rivalry games going and building and, and like Patrick Ewing coming in back into and going to another NCAA championship game. And after the heartbreak of the year before and all like the storylines were so engrossing that you couldn't turn away. And now it's really not because now it's a, all right, the best teams are basically comprised of five guys who weren't on the team or three guys who were not on the team last year. And four of the, so four of the five aren't going to be on the team next year. But they're still amazing to watch. They're fun to watch. But I don't think you get as invested as you once did. It used to be, listen, when I was a kid, I could name every starting player and every almost all the bench players on SU basketball. Like, I knew them because they were there for a long right. time. Now it takes me two years to remember somebody's name, and then they're gone. So it's it's just a different thing. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just We it just cheer for laundry now. Say again? We just cheer for the laundry. Just cheer for that color on the front, buddy. That's it. Let's cheer for the name on the front. And I guess that's what most of us do anyway. But you do become... I think when you can cheer for the team and the individual players, they do sort of, there's an affection that grows. Yeah, like, I mean, there's, there's more, you feel more invested, I feel like, you know, I don't know. But yeah. I agree with you. And it's okay. Like, I get why. It's just I, different. If yeah. I was really good at basketball and in this position, I'd probably go to the NBA too. I'll be the first one to tell yeah, you. Oh, like, for sure. Oh, I want to go make the money. Like, let's not be crazy. Yeah, and I, people are talking like, oh, you need to practice. I'm like, they, that's all they do is practice. In the all NBA. they that's do. That's all they do. Like, that's all they've done since like, they were 12. In college, they have to practice and go to, and go to, school and like you know flirt with girls like in the nba and they get to flirt with the girls they just come at them and they just practice so yeah. like if you're good enough and you're talented enough like go to the nba you're gonna get to practice you know more than in than, the only thing you're gonna get in the forgive my lack of professionalism i have to step out because i think the health department's calling me right now. okay well that's some priorities here so we're gonna make sure that charlie's ice cream gets off in uh, uh without a hitch here so let, let me switch gears a little bit and talk to uh you guys we talked about nfts uh, non-fungible tokens, I think it was last week. Yeah, last week on the show. So these are tokenized assets. They can be real-life assets. They can be uh, 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 digital art, like a lot of music uh, are being NFTs, which are, are being uh, uh, digitalized. And what they're, the, the token allows the asset to have a digital ownership, right? So you can make a single ownership. And so maybe you've heard of John Cleese. We mentioned the, uh, the digital art that sold for $69 million dollars last week and uh the top shot the nba top shots cards the lebron went for two hundred eight thousand. uh there was another thing that went for like six million uh so john cleese the uh uh english thespian if you will the uh the uh comedian i don't know maybe he's uh was he a monty python guy i can't remember now anyway so he doodled the london bridge on his ipad <clears throat> excuse me and put that up on the uh, NFT marketplace OpenSea, and it already has a bid of $50,000. So I, I don't know. Ben, ben had said we might be at peak capitalism. I don't know if he sold. There was also a fart. Yes, a fart that was sold for $85 that was uh, tokenized. So I think we're at to a point where I'm not sure what is going to come next with these uh, non-fungible tokens, but it is quite entertaining to uh, look at these prices. And even I think... Uh, uh, John Cleese's response to the sale was something to the effect of, you know, the world has lost its bloody Evan mind. So um, I'm not sure exactly where this is going to go or uh, what's next, but the fact that farts and digital arts on iPads uh, are being sold and bid on for tens of thousands of dollars, well, not the fart, $85, but um, I don't know. I think we're just into this little bit of a future here that I'm not really sure where it's going to go, but we're going to keep an eye on it here in the show. Um, 
Oh, hi. I'm back. Co-host is back. We just discussed NFTs real quickly here, uh, Mr. Hughesung. Um, I mentioned that uh, English comedian uh, John Cleese had sold his iPad art for, well, at least $50,000. That was the uh, the bid on it right now. And just that the world is basically coming to peak peak society here because we sold uh, farts for $85. Yeah, listen, I, every time I think I can't like John Cleese more, he does something like this. Really, what, are, what are you doing? And it's just kind of that's who he is. I still don't understand. I shouldn't say I understand. I understand NFTs. I'm just not going to be a participant. It's just, not something I, I can get on board. What with. I don't understand is the it's and it, I don't know that it's un, I understand it to some degree, but it's I'm not going to participate, as you say, in the market craze. Right. There's like right. it's so frothy right now that. Like, I don't know what's real and what's not real. And like, if this is all like, maybe a fart is worth $85, you know? I mean, there's so many jokes to go with that right now, but listen, I'm going to leave it alone. So I used to work at a sporting goods store. Sure. That were named Nameless. And I, you ever played tennis before? I mean, in gym class? Yes. Well, so we used to sell these tennis ball savers. They were like little canisters. Sure. Where you would like airtight the yeah, tennis yeah, yeah. balls. I remember one of my managers uh, tokenizing a fart of his own in one of those tennis ball saver canisters and leaving it on the shelf. So gross. What? <laughs> it's not even You're funny. Welcome. I oh know. God, we're it's idiots. Um, but so anyway, I don't know how much you want to leave. Like, again, I don't know what to do with this NFT thing. We'll keep following it. But like, it's every week there's something more and more coming to it. A lot of, a lot of musics, you know, albums and stuff are, are, are using this, this technology too. So I don't know. I just find it interesting. Listen, the capitalist in me is kind of like, yeah, go get paid. Whatever. If you want to spend the money, spend the money. God love you. It's just nothing I'm going to do. Listen, I also don't do any other collectibles. Like, I don't collect anything. I, I get it. There's value in wine and sports memorabilia and art and cards and whatever else. It's just not my thing. So I, NFTs are being something that's really intangible. Eventually, when you're doing finance through, uh, then that's when you'll jump on board. Yeah, like when it becomes sort of uh, utility over... Um, Hobby is that a? I guess it's. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but when it becomes uh, like, I mean, I can't imagine iPad digital art being anything more than a hobby. Selling it is just, you know what I mean. I yeah, mean, I get that. But the so, technology of the NFT, if there's, you and I talked about this as far as decentralized finance through this technology. Okay, that is intri- in, intriguing to me. Like that makes me interested far more than. John Cleese doing a doodle on an iPad that he can then print up 5,000 copies for with no you problem. See the, but have I don't you seen the doodle? What? Have you seen the doodle? I haven't seen the doodle. It's, there's like seven lines. Obviously. It's like, a, it's like a stick figure of a bridge. It's amazing. Yeah. I'll show it to you after the show. All right. I was going to pull it up, but I didn't. All right. It's okay. Um, let's real quickly talk. I, I, we, we, I'm going to talk a lot about this, but your boy Hunter Biden showed up in the news again. My this week. boy. Your boy Hunter Biden and his laptop. It was tried to be claimed. I don't know. There was some report saying that there was uh, uh, proven some uh, Russian meddling in the election and a bunch of the media decided to just run and leap to that meant that the Hunter Biden laptop was uh, discredited. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, they eventually had to write retractions and a bunch of stuff after that. So shocking. Uh, they just won't. This Russian thing, do you th- the Russian thing's not going to die. Well, no. It's, like, it's literally in the psyche of so many people now that they can just, just shoot those out every once in a while and be just like, just trigger everybody instantaneously and keep it going. Yeah, I, I think that at this point, it's you're so far down this road and people cannot look back and admit that they, w- they were wrong, that there was no evidence of this. And I get it. There was, there was attempts by the Russian government to interfere with our elections, just like China interferes with our elections, just like we interfere with their elections. Did you hear that Iran uh, involved with our elections this year in favor of Biden? That didn't get covered. Shocking. Just, just throwing Weird. it out there. Um, but either way, it's a like this is what goes on. And so you're telling me like they you'll notice again. Let's look at the words they used. It's never that Russia very seldomly is it like Russia hacked an election and tried to change votes. It's that Russia tried to influence our election. So well, what does that mean? Well, if they take out Facebook ads and Facebook groups that are pro or anti one party, that's them influencing our election. Um. How upset do you want me to be about this? I mean, honestly, like they, they started a protest and a counter protest. I think it was in Texas. Some Russian troll farm group did on, on social media. And it's like, see, they're influencing the election. And I'm looking going, I, I, I guess. But what? 
Did, did they change anybody's vote? Like, if you're if you're just I mean, buying, I, into I think it. I saw something like a hundred thousand dollars in Facebook ads. It's like if oh that God. if that's what takes down the the, the country, then we, we have a yeah. We never had a chance yeah. anyway. My right. favorite of the all right. So there's two thoughts yeah. on this. Number one, how hard do you think Hunter Biden is stifling his laughter when his father is firing people for past marijuana use? Um, I mean, Joe doesn't even know what happened. So fair. But how hard is Hunter Biden laughing? Yeah, I mean, like, oh shoot! You know. And Kamala Harris, who like threw everybody under the in the state of California in jail, and then extended their prison sentences for smoking marijuana, and then like a year ago goes on. Oh, who show was she on? Was on the know. Breakfast Club? Admitted. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. And she's like, "Yeah, I used to smoke weed and listen to all this music and everything else." And you're like, "You just look, look. I get you got a job to do, and you got to throw people in jail. You didn't have to throw a book at everybody for smoking weed. That that seems a little excessive. But here we are, and now still going with it. So, and that's that's sort of my first thought. My second thought, tying back in the, of why the Russia story won't go anywhere. Also, is uh, did you hear the exchange between Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin? I mean, Biden's pretty macho. Obviously, a real tough dude. So, Joe I mean, Biden. Have you ever met Corn Pop? I've not met Corn Pop today. <laughs> saying. Or, yeah, or the kid that ran his hand up and down Joe's legs in the pool, because that wasn't the weirdest story ever told. But anyways, so Joe Biden called Vladimir Putin a killer. And when asked for comment, Vladimir Putin responded, well, it takes one to know one. You're like, oh, shoot. So we're doing this now. So I like I, I get everybody wants to think like America is now widely respected on the international stage because we finally got rid of Donald Trump. And again, if you're a, if you're a big pro Trump guy, let me just put the brakes on that too. He sucked also, but the idea that Joe Biden was going to be some savior to save us from all of this, it, like over the weekend, he managed to essentially isolate us and Russia by saying that guy's a killer Putin comes back and is like takes one to no one and I just wish him nothing but continued good health because obviously he's in really good health like very sarcastic very cutting and you're like shoot and then uh I don't remember the guy's name but he was a diplomat uh one of the guys over negotiating with China who Chinese culture is very big on um posture and and sort of appearance and saving face over there what's that my posture is terrible yeah you wouldn't be very good but it's it's something where, like, even when Trump was antagonizing China, he never did it, like, directly to their face in a meeting. or And he always left them away to save face and still negotiate. And that was why we were able to negotiate some trade deals with China that were more favorable to America. Uh, Biden's, whoever the, I, can't, I wish I could remember this guy's name, but whoever the, uh, the diplomat sent over was, started, like, taking China to task right to the ambassador's face over like, well, you guys are doing all this awful stuff. And the Chinese ambassador's like, you guys are doing awful stuff. Like you're acting like it's us. Who are you? You're nobody. You're nobody to judge anybody else. And sadly he's, he's right. But it's, it's, I don't want to say it's funny cause it's really not funny, but it's kind of funny as you're watching this all happen of like, yeah, did we all just think that magically because we have Joe Biden and Kamala Harris that the whole world was just going to be like, hey, guys, whatever you want. We're back. You're back. Whatever you want, you just let us know, and we got you. Yeah, right. And it's not. Like, we still have done awful things. We continue to do awful things. Joe Biden has been both involved with and profiting from those horrible things for 30 years at least. And the idea that it was all going to change I mean, that is my point when I say Trump made everybody dumb. The supporters and the detractors, and everybody got dumber as a result of Donald Trump because he made everybody too polarized, and now nobody wants to open up and see the other side of this. It's frustrating. Yeah. All right. Let's go to more hometown uh, uh, politics. Congressman Tom Reed got himself in a little bit of uh, hot water uh, over this week, uh, last couple few days anyway. He's been a very outspoken critic of the governor, Governor Cuomo, and has called for his resignation, I believe, and uh, found himself in the same identical bit of hot water. Well, minus. Oh, did he kill a thousand senior citizens? Uh, no, not that. Oh, not that hot the water. The other thing? The other, the back burner. The back burner hot water had uh, just some sexual, up to eight now, sexual harassment allegations for the governor. Tom Reed has one, and he has decided that he uh, he has thrown his name into the governor's uh, discussion uh, and had start. You know, I think he had, he may have been hiring staff already thinking that he was going to run for governor 2022 has now decided that he is not going to run for any office in 2022, 
which means he will not seek his reelection in his congressional seat if it actually exists in 2022. Um, More on that in a minute. Yeah. So, you know, there's been a uh, trying to uh, compare the two immediately, the Republicans have come out and basically said, see, this is how you do it. This is how you, you know, you, you screw up and you, you, you save face and you, you know, you not run for reelection or whatnot. Um, I guess in an attempt to try to uh, uh, compare them with the governor here, uh, who says he's still not resigning no matter what, and has not considered resigning. Um, because the people elected him, Sean. Democracy. He is standing up for democracy at great expense to his own health and well-being. democracy the last 365 days, Ben? Other states? Yeah. Well, some. Um, so, I don't know. I, th- interesting for New York political landscape here because Tom Reed was kind of, I don't know if he was considered the front runner. Um, but two things, b- piggybacking on the governor part, so... He, him and uh, Elise Stefanik, who is the another congressional congresswoman up uh, North Country here, um, who has not said no, but has not made any kind of uh, definitive, uh, you know, nods that she's running either. Most people think she would be the favorite if she decided to run within the Republicans, that she would be the favorite to be the nominee. Um, Tom Reed was definitely in that discussion as a nominee and now will no longer be. He was kind of made his name because he was in the problem solvers caucus through co-chair of that so he made it to uh turn that committee on to himself here so um let's let's do a little bit of on top yeah and again if you've listened to the show before this is a refrain we turn to often most of these people are not like nice or good people like the idea that hey how long has tom reed been in congress like uh since 2010 i believe okay these people, like, if you think that there's not more allegations out there for half of the people currently serving in government, I'm going to guess you haven't worked too much in local or state government. A lot of the, and it's not even that they're bad people. That's an oversimplification. But they're nowhere near they're not, the image they present themselves yeah. to be. They're flawed human beings just like all of us. And a lot of them are egomaniacal and they are power hungry and they do view themselves with an inflated ego. And that leads to this stuff of, like, I'm not kidding when I say I, a lot of these guys tend to look at these women and be like, that's why she's here, because she's attracted to the power. So, like, she really would, she wants it. <laughs> like, yeah. No doesn't mean no. Yeah, like, um, yeah, like, no is the opening offer, and then we negotiate. Like, no, no, there was there was all these commercials back in the 90s. Remember, that's where we covered this, and apparently you, you missed those, and that's okay, but you got to learn the lesson at some point. So I think that it's, I would anticipate you'll see more and more of these things come out, um, I'm not sure it'll ever get to like what the Me Too movement was a few years ago where I think we, we kind of went overboard in the other direction of any time an allegation comes out, somebody has to resign. Like, what? Well, wait, wait, like, well, believe all women. Like, well, that's that's crazy because some women lie just like some men sexually harass. Like, it's it doesn't mean all women are all men. It's just like may, maybe we had to pick and choose based on the, the verifiable facts and data. Um, now at least we're choose, doing that. Uh, also on political party because sometimes that matters. I mean, depending on who you're. It's been known. Saying. It's been known to matter, like somewhat, admittedly. Um, the, one, the one weird thing about the uh, Tom Reed resignation and not running for uh, uh, re-election in Congress, there's this weird uh, thing. Well, I say weird. It's a uh, somewhat sad thing in New York because of our population decline. We are probably going to lose two uh, U.S. House seats, and there was talk of. Uh, I feel like the, the the Democrats here in the state have control of the redistricting. And so there was talk of basically they were going to pit Tom Reed uh, versus Claudia Tenney versus uh, Alice, Elise Stefanik uh, against each other and try to split those three uh, things against each other, basically primary, make them running off each other. So this would eliminate one of those things um, if that uh, does turn out to be true. So just kind of a, a weird nuance there to the uh, Tom Reed thing. But um, all right, well, I guess let's move to the... the, hey, the wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I was told gerrymandering is bad. Uh, it is. Okay. I, I mean, listen, I I wish I actually knew the, 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 the way to do it. Like, you know, if there was some independent, like, benevolent association out there where they just love to draw lines on maps. I mean, got to be the highlight of somebody's day. It's not mine. So I don't know... I don't know why... I, I know it's a problem. I don't know what the, 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 the simple fix is. Um, but if we all know it, we can try to fix it, I guess, but it's clearly been around forever. Yeah. It's like a fallacy that we could do this in any way that is truly objective. Right. So you just, that would be objective and efficient and make sense. 
and there's just not like it's, it's so gerrymandering does happen. I would anticipate that's exactly what's going to happen in New York State. Um, and then I guess we'll see where the cards fall. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, some conflict of interest here uh, coming out of Albany as well. Uh, I don't know if you saw the uh, the uh, Assembly Majority Leader Carl Hesty has appointed uh, a law firm to investigate the uh, sexual harassment allegations of the governor or into the governor. Um, the conflict of interest was noted almost immediately. I feel like a bunch of Twitter uh, people started pounding out that the uh, chief judge of the Court of Appeals, uh, Janet DeFiori, uh, is married to Dennis Glazer, I believe his name is. And Dennis Glazer served something like 30 years at this law firm's practicing, uh, he was like a managing litigator or something. So he basically was super involved with this law firm that is now investigating the governor with the chief judge, his wife, uh, presiding over the case. You're such a skeptical person. My God. I mean, coincidences happen all the time, Sean. There's, there's something, I think I saw 182,000 law firms in New York State, Ben. What are the odds that this is the one they pick to investigate? Oh, 100%. That's the odds. 100%. Because obviously that guy only worked there because he's such a good lawyer and they are the best law firm in all of the state. And they are the most fair, the most impartial, the most objective, and the most tenacious. And who else would you want investigating Andrew Cuomo than the most fair, objective, competent, and tenacious law firm in the state? Well, to say the fix is in is probably an understatement. So actually, I think at least one of the uh, alleged victims or the victims has said she's not going to participate with the investigation because she knows it's basically a sham. It's so a farce. Um, I, you know, I, there's been a lot of pressure on that selection by Hesty here. I don't know if he's going to change that with this uh, pressure, but... I think I, if people keep talking about it, it'll, it'll force the issue because right. this is so... It's just so it's so in your blatant. face, obviously, like right. just like yeah, screw it's you. Like here, just poke you right in the eyeball. Yeah, and it's a because we can, and you're not going to do anything about it. And this is what happens to power hungry people when they get power. They don't ever go. All right, well that's enough. Nope, it's got to be more. Now it needs more. Now it needs more because obviously it leads to problems, but the problems can never be their fault. The problem is they don't have enough power, so they need more. And you're just too stupid to understand it, and you keep getting in the way. So we've got to get these sexual assault and sexual harassment allegations out of the way so that our benevolent leader can continue to rule our lives so that we're happier people. That's how government is supposed to work. Yeah, I mean, listen, if I was Carl Hesse, I'd be like, I'm going to get everything I want and every single bill I want, or I'm going to hold impeachment over your head. Like, I don't think, I don't know if he has the ability to wield that power. Listen, he might be, as you pointed out, there might be something in his Closet too that Governor Cuomo knows full well about, and you know whatever. Who knows? It's Albany. The whole thing. Oh come on, thirty years. The whole thing needs to be rebooted. I, you are New York was never exactly the cleanest state of politics in the country. It's it's always been sort of I shouldn't say always, but my lifetime, it has been pay for play, a lot of underhanded stuff, a lot of backroom dealings, and I don't, I, I don't think it matters as far as party or who's in charge and who's not. You continue to see that, and now insert Andrew Cuomo who even by standards of a politician is pretty, pretty corrupt. I, I mean, even by the very low standards to which I hold politicians, this dude's amazing. I, just how blatant he is and how little he cares about, like, even pretending to cover it up, even pretending to hide it. like, And how many people willfully just go along with it? Of Like, when he was holding out on the nursing home information, and some of us are screaming, like, there's no good reason for this. And then a lot of people on the other side are like, well, what does it even matter? What? <laughs> it matters because we're doing public policy and he's covering this up. This is inaccurate data. And instead it was, it, we want to argue that it's Trump's fault because he didn't point out that the virus was coming from Europe. <sighs> what? But did he tell every other state and not New York? Like, how did this work exactly? At some point, own it. And it, this, his response his behavior his rules have been awful he's terrible we're gonna feel the result we're gonna feel consequences from this last year for the next two decades like you don't recover from something like this quickly it's gonna take a very long time and it's sad we're losing two house seats because so many people moved out you want to just say that it's because of the weather okay yeah of course it is like take the blinders off obviously the weather plays a role sure 
but it's not the end all be all. And watching these people move out, and we discussed this over summer too. Of of course, they're moving out. What what else are they going to do? Well, we had the same winners, you know, thirty years ago, and they were moving in. So yeah, and now they're moving out because <clears throat> do you realize how much money we pay in taxes in this state? It's insane. And yeah, I'm like, well, we have better roads. I don't know. I've driven a fair amount of the country. They're pretty comparable to everywhere else. If they're much better, I'm not seeing it. So I, I have a hard time with this. And now, like, the bigger thing that's going to come, and this is somewhat related to COVID, somewhat related to the handling of the uh, police protests and everything else over summer, you're you're probably losing a disproportionate amount of rich people right now. Like, and that is going to have huge impacts on our tax revenues. I mean, huge. Well, the, the 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 folks who aren't uh, rich or who are are. are that they don't have the means to move. So they're, they're pretty much stuck here. So right. yeah, the people who are leaving are the people who have the means to do so. Right. And the people that leave are such a disproportionately, I think the stat is something like the top 4% of income earners pay 94% of the tax or something absurd like that. So if you lose these people, that's a bigger deal than if I leave or if you leave, we're not making that kind of money. Right. They are. I mean, when, uh, who's the owner of the Carolina Panthers, Sheldon, something Adelson. I think it's Sheldon Adelson. So he was a hedge fund guy in New Jersey. When he left the state of New Jersey a few years ago to go buy the Carolina Panthers and move down to Carolina, which he was going to move anyway because he was taking advantage of some tax provisions, New Jersey had to redo its state budget when one guy left. That's how disproportionate the, the tax revenues are from the top to the bottom. I mean, roughly half of all Americans pay no income tax. I, that we still bring in kind of a lot of money in, in income tax revenues, and some of that is tax evasion. Some of that is because of the way our system is set up. But either way, it, it, it sort of is a moot point. When the rich people leave and you have a progressive graduated income tax, the rich people leaving has a disproportionately negative effect on state finances than when poor people leave. So that's why Andrew Cuomo was talking about having them over for dinner and bringing them in and doing all this, because if they leave the state... Our budget is already awful. I, I know we pretend like we're balanced and everything else. We're not. It, like the amount of accounting tricks that go on in government is really remarkable. And our state is no exception. So watch what goes on over the next few years and just don't get blindsided by it and think like, well, we never could have seen it coming and it's all the fault of some outside force that, that just happened. No, the triggering event happens after all the stage has been set. And right now all we've done is set the stage for really bad stuff to happen at a state and a federal level. And just for clarity, David Tepper is the uh, owner of the Carolina Panthers. Is he the hedge fund guy? Yeah. Okay, David Tepper. Yeah. Not the name I knew. But. Uh, me neither. I was, I'm surprised by that. I know we talked about this a few months ago. But either way, he left. New Jersey had to redo their state budget. And so not, and let, let's keep going with the uh, how terrible Albany is. So not only. <laughs> how long he got. <laughs> yeah, well, 18 more minutes, hopefully. All right. So not only is our governor terrible, but his aides, obviously we kind of knew this. Uh, uh, so there's an FBI probe. Mm -hmm. uh, they're investigating whether uh, uh, Cuomo and his senior aides provided false information uh, about nursing home deaths to the Department of Justice. Yes. Next investigation. I mean, what are you saying? Of course the answer is yes. They kind of admitted it, right? Yes. Right. They, they're I mean, on tape. Um, so... I, Listen, I don't know. It says Cuomo and his aides. I'm assuming if this investigation goes anywhere, the aides take the, the bullet and nothing ever gets to Cuomo for sure. Um, I'm not even sure it ever gets to, you know, somewhere in the Department of Health. Uh, I feel like we maybe talk about uh, um, Linda Lacewell. I think she is the aide who is being, uh, who is suspected of being the aide who manipulated or withdrew that data from the, uh, the, the Department of Health report here. So, um you know, again, more on top of more uh, stuff that's just piling up in, in Albany. Um, you know, I I don't think he's going to resign anymore unless something, you know, there's got to have to be, there's going to have to be a, uh, a, a sexual harassment allegations that includes actual intercourse of some type that is turned out to be, you know, I or the claim would be, you know, I did this for the benefit of my job kind of thing. And maybe that does it, but I, I don't think he's resigning. So I think the impeachment matters. I don't think this investigation from Davis Polk and Wardell is going anywhere because of obvious reasons we just pointed out. So it's going to, it's going to require um, continued 
push from our state legislature. Uh, right now, it's not happening, and, and they, they need to remove that law firm. I, I, I think that's a joke, um, and I think there's been uh, calls to do so, so maybe that'll happen. But it's just another, you know, it's not just the the culture is, is bred from the top, and, you know, all these aides doing all this under underhanded um, actions to kind of cover their asses. Now we got the FBI involved. So can I tell you what I'm really looking forward to already? Sure. Is uh, next year when Cuomo's still in there, and, and you mentioned this to somebody about how he had this executive order, and he had seven or eight women all come forward, accuse him of sexual harassment, and now why is it so different? Why does he get the exception, and why is he not being forced to remove office? What's the difference? And I'm really looking forward to the response of, well, that was already investigated, and they found that he didn't do anything wrong. I'm already looking forward to hearing that of like, it's been fully investigated. Right. Like if Reviewed. you asked, he wouldn't even say the word investigate right now. Of course not. He, he's, he says it's a review. If you, it, this is the equivalent of like, if you ask me to investigate Sean and I come back and say, you know what? Son of a gun, cleanest living dude I've ever seen in my entire life. It was thorough. I talked to friends. I talked to family members. I searched his house. I searched his business records. Cleanest dude ever follows every government rule, follows every government regulation to a T, not even a parking ticket. You look at him, you're like, kind of like Trump's doctor. Yeah, like, come on, man, what are you saying? <laughs> like, this is, this is the equivalent of Trump's doctor coming out and saying, healthiest guy I've ever seen. And you're all looking at, at Trump like, this that dude, guy? this is the healthiest guy, the guy who lives on McDonald's and Diet Coke. <laughs> this is the healthiest man you've ever seen. So it's this is nonsense. Of you got you have a guy investigating the governor for very serious, very real charges, and the best guy that we could come up with for an objective review in the entire state is a guy that is politically beholden to him and the spouse of the chief justice of the court of appeals. I mean, he was appointed this Dennis Glazer guy. He was appointed the chief counsel of SUNY Purchase. So, like you know, one of the state schools. State schools, yeah. I, like oh my god! Like what are we doing? Right, like for what? Like Why? everybody sees. It. Like I said, it's not just me and you seeing this. Everybody saw it. Like in plain day, it was like uh, this is not can't be real, right? Is this a joke? It's just, this is a joke, and this is where I go back to this line. I think about Joseph Goebbels all the time saying the biggest lies are the easiest ones because people just go along because they can't comprehend that you're lying. So I'm watching this and like looking at him doing this, and looking back at the population and everybody going, guys, it's fine. <laughs> what do you mean it's fine? There's no way you would tolerate this from the other side of the aisle. There's no way that Donald Trump could come out and be like, you know who's going to investigate me is Amy Coney Barrett's husband. That's the guy who's going to investigate. He's going to lead the investigation, and his honor is beyond reproach. Not one of you would be like, well, that seems fair. Good idea. This will, this, finally, we'll get to the bottom of the allegations for real this time. You think, um... No. How about we get somebody a little further removed from you who didn't just get a lifetime position from you, whose spouse, I'm sorry, didn't just get a lifetime position from you. Maybe even if they could be fair and objective, yeah. why would we believe that? Yeah. And people are like, oh, what are you questioning? Judge DeFiore's the credibility? I'm like, no, but there's a conflict of interest here. Like, clearly there's a conflict of interest. Yes. Like, just, okay, like, regardless. No, no, I am questioning her her absolute credibility. If you allow this to happen, I have every reason to, to question your credibility. And please don't act like I can't. Because here's the simple reality. If, if you ask me to investigate somebody where my wife was involved, there is a 0% chance of me being objective. Zero. And there is a 0% chance of her fairly presiding over a hearing, I'll put it in quotes, where I'm one of the parties. Where I'm representing, a, there is a 0% chance that she could be objective. Nobody could be. So, yes, if the Chief Justice of the Court of Appeals of the State of New York actually goes and looks at all of this and goes, hey, guys, I know this looks in the gray area. I know he's my husband, but my integrity is beyond reproach, and I will be fair and impartial, and I will treat him just like any other litigant. Then, yes, I absolutely question your credibility. Without a second thought, I, have, I doubt it. I beyond question it because there is no reasonable person that could be objective in that situation. No one. All right. I agree. I, like I said, I, hopefully that changes. So I, I came across, <clears throat> I sent this article to you. I came across an article that kind of broke down uh, some of uh, Cuomo's inner workings here. And that kind of came to light because one of those inner workings, we kind of are familiar with some of the faces. Uh, Melissa DeRosa, she is the uh, secretary for the governor. She is the one who 
gave the the statement in the closed door statement to the uh, state Democrats who basically said we froze. That's uh, uh, Melissa DeRosa. She's the secretary of the governor. But one of his uh, longtime allies, Larry Schwartz, made the news uh, the last few days here because, excuse me, he was appointed as the vaccine czar. Right. So he's just out distributing vaccines or allocating uh, vaccine doses to these uh, regional areas areas and counties and whatnot. He also made a series of phone calls to county leaders asking them where they stood on uh, their uh, support of Governor Cuomo. Amazing. So. So basically, if I can if I can interject here, he's calling one day to ask you, what do you need for vaccines? And I'll let you know where you fall on the priority list and what we can get you. And then a few days later, he calls back and says, so uh, just out of curiosity, um, I want to know where you stand on Andrew Cuomo. Are you supporting that fairness be implied and that he give be, be given a fair and impartial hearing wink with review? Or are you one of these uh reckless and uh, dangerous people that just wants to throw a man under the bus for political reasons. Right. I'll call and, you tomorrow about your vaccines. Right. Yeah. And that's the insinuation, right? Is, was the, you know, and obviously they came out and said it had nothing related to it, but how can you not think like if you're receiving that phone call, your first thought is, okay, this is the vaccines are like, you're not even think, I mean, the, the dude has a long history with Cuomo. Don't get me wrong, but right now, like it is the most important function within the state. And he's making these additional calls asking for support. You cannot unmarry the two. Even if he if if he truly was trying to do that, then he's a fool, right? Imagine you're Ryan McMahon, and you've got all this political pressure on you to get the vaccine. He did not get a call, by the way. That's good. Well, imagine that he did. I guess he probably knew what was I think there was, was mostly – I, I, I read this, so like maybe I'm wrong, but I think I read he said he did not get a call um, and was not a fan of the way it was called either, so he kind of you know pushed back on the way that it was handled. But I think most of them, the calls were to Democrat – Okay. Uh, County executives and county leaders. So, all right, then let's say you're uh, Mark Poland cars out in Erie County. All right, so Erie County got hit pretty hard. Everybody's up in arms. People want this vaccine. They want to get it going. You literally get a phone call from this guy. It says, here's how many doses we have. How many do you need? All right, I'm going to allocate this many to you. You can have them, and then you've got to oversee the distribution. Great, thank you. And then on Wednesday, he calls you back and goes, hey, I got to talk to you about something. You're like, well, is there a problem with the shipment? Like, no, 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 you're getting those. Pretty sure. But just unrelated, so don't, you know, obviously not at all related. Um, Where do you stand on Governor Cuomo's allegations? Are you going to support this governor, or are you going to stand against him? Is it not going to run into your mind, at least, of what this man's actual job is right now, where you're going, um, I, I guess I'm going to, uh, I want to see? Like, oh, well, maybe we ought to make some kind of a statement to let people know that you're standing behind him and you think he's entitled to a hearing. I, I don't think I want to do that. Well, it's really a shame because he's been really supportive to you over the last year of giving you whatever you needed as far as doses and everything else, and it's just a shame. I mean, I don't think he's going to threaten to destroy you or anything like he did that guy down in Queens, but... Was it Brooklyn? Ron Kim, where's he in? Uh, Brooklyn, I believe. Oh, no, I thought he's Queens. He he's is Queens. Queens, okay. All right, yeah, he's not going to threaten to destroy your career like he did the, the congressman down in Queens, but uh, I'm sure he's going to be disappointed to hear this. Well, I'll call you next week about what we have available to you for vaccine allocations. How are you interpreting this phone call if you're the county executive? Like, oh, shoot. Um, yeah, I'm actually looking for Poland Cars. Uh, I think he made a comment about this. I'm trying to see if I could find it real quick. Like, some things are he says, just no, no, wrong. This is Poland Cars' statement uh, uh, basically on Larry Schwitz's column. He's like, at no time during the conversation did I feel like I was intimidated, nor did Larry ask me to support the governor in exchange for vaccines. In fact, he did not even ask me to support the governor uh, he knew where I stood. Obviously, that's uh, kind of somewhat irrelevant since he already had the support. But um, it, again, I, I it is a problem. Again, it's a it, it's an additional conflict of interest. So everybody knows this guy is you know one of Cuomo's biggest allies that he has. And when he calls, he is calling basically as the governor. Um, Imagine it was Rudy Giuliani calling the governors to say, "Where do you stand on this Trump impeachment thing?" If you think, um, I, I know why you're calling, and it's and it, but Rudy Giuliani with an official capacity in the government to distribute vaccines, and he's calling you and asking, all right, Rudy Giuliani is in charge of distributing the vaccines to the states, and then he calls you and says, where do you stand on your support for Donald Trump? To every Republican governor, you're going to be okay with that? That's nuts. You shouldn't be.
That's crazy talk. Yeah, and like I said, I'll, I'll read a quote just backing up everything you've just said. He's like, and it doesn't say who this official is. He said, I'm afraid, man. He's like, why in God's name would that man have called? People were terrified. So there was an implicit threat sent regardless of whether or not it was even attended. Like it was sent regardless. So, so here's your options. Is Andrew Cuomo so stupid that he didn't think to fact of like, hey, if I have the vaccine czar calling people about support for me, they might actually think that, that I'm implying a threat. And I really want to make sure I don't do that. But he didn't think of any of that because he's so dumb that he just never crossed his mind. Or do you think it's more likely that he knew exactly what the implicit threat would be and what would be implied and why he had him instead of uh, Melissa DeRosa or any of the other aides to the governor who could have made that phone call, whose you know job it would have been to make that phone call, whose only role was aide to the governor. No, he chose to have the vaccine czar call these people. And you want to look the other way on it, God bless you. But when nobody is listening to you as you complain about Trump's corruption, I just don't want to hear it. Like, if you're willing to look up, turn a blind eye to one side and then you get indignant about the other side, I got nothing for you. I'm sorry. Like, I don't have, I don't have patience. I don't have time. I don't have the ability to even be empathetic any longer because we're all doing this to each other. Everybody just turns away while these super rich and powerful people play these stupid games and then we turn on each other instead of looking at them and going, how can you be this corrupt? And like I said, you know, NPR reported that these people, uh, some of these officials, you know, they have, uh, you know, virtual conference calls, I guess, with the uh, vaccines are occasionally here. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to read a quote right here. It's like, this is supposedly uh, being told from the aspect of one of the people participating in the conference call with Larry Schwartz, quoting Larry Schwartz. He said, if I have the vaccine, if I have extra vaccine, if there was extra doses available and executive wanted, executives wanted access to them, uh, send me an email. I'll consider it. Like that was basically the response to Schwartz. So he clearly was holding the vaccines over the heads of the county leaders, and therefore to make this secondary call, it, it could it could not have been any other uh, any other reason. No, I mean, listen. I guess it could be, but I mean, I could step out of your house, or I could step out of my house one day and get struck by lightning. Like it's not impossible. But I'm not going to play those odds to say like, yeah, I can never leave the house because I might get struck by lightning because that would be insane. So this is no different. Love. Sure, it, it could all be legitimate and true and, and not meant to be a threat. But honestly, I think there's a better chance of me stepping out of here today and getting struck by lightning than of that being the case. So yeah. it's not impossible, but it's just super unlikely. Yeah. So so we have the, the vaccines are Larry Schwartz, who's making calls and uh threatening uh, county uh, executives with if they don't have their support smart we got melissa DeRosa, the secretary for the governor who basically uh told the state state democrats that we froze uh, in fear of a federal investigation i briefly mentioned linda lacewell who is the uh department of finance services uh, the head there and so she is the one and i don't think this has been actually proven to be factual yet but she is the one who is believed to be the aide who uh, removed the nursing home desks from the Department of Health report, their internal report there. Um, so she, you know, part of the swamp here in Albany, uh, an another uh, piece of, uh, uh, did you know, that, by the way, did you know that Melissa DeRosa was the chief of staff for Eric Schneiderman? I didn't know that. <laughs> Do you think she's had some stories? Oh my God, I can't <laughs> even, I want to talk to her one day. Um, and so, off the record, I want to talk right, to her. Right, like right. I, nothing on there. I want to. I don't go think off she's going to come on the show, like, man. Like, no. <laughs> um, and so it seems as though he has cultivated his own personal swamp. Right, he's been there so long. You know, this is his third term, and he has just you know surrounded himself with with yes men and yes women who basically look the other way at all regards for their own personal self interest. So. And there's more like, I don't, you know, I can go through a whole staff of here. I got more, you know, I, some of these people have left, like uh, his, his chief uh, counsel left. Uh, what's her name? Kamik, Kamiki Gibson. She left in protest though, right? She left when, after one of the, uh, the, like the, maybe the second or third sexual harassment, whatever her level is, whatever her, whatever her threshold, whatever her threshold is that, for that allegations. Um, and so uh, she, he has a new acting uh, uh, counsel now, Beth Garvey, I think. So um, I don't know, like I said, I, 
you know, DeRosa, back to DeRosa, like her dad is, is like that runs some huge lobbying firm in, in New York City, Bolton, so St. Joe's. Yeah, right. Um, like I said, all these people are just, you know, connected with, with lobbying firms and, uh, you know, they all get paid to, to make stuff, get, get stuff done, uh, at, at the people's, uh, worseness, I guess, you know, we're all, we're all worse off because of these people and the way they act in Albany. Uh, this trend continues. We're going to get somebody worse than Trump next time. I, I, you and I have discussed this at length. Trump was a symptom of a problem, not the problem in and of himself. He is, he was a symptom of a larger underlying problem that not only are we continuing to ignore, we're just pouring gas on the fire. Like we just keep doing it because so many people have lost faith in the system and with good reason. This is so utterly contemptible. This is so utterly corrupt and inexcusable that I can't fathom being okay looking the other way. I just can't. Like I'm I am at a loss for words how any objective person could look at everything we just discussed today and go. You guys are really kind of crazy. Like, this is, you're overreacting. Like, no, I think it's not overreacting to say if we're going to review the governor's behavior or, dare we say, even investigate, that maybe we do it from an actual objective party or even an adversarial party. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a little bit more likely to come up with an outcome that is true? No, we want to do the, the governor's friend and somebody who is a political benefactor. That's that's what we want to do. All right, cool. And then you can't figure out why somebody like Donald Trump made it to the presidency. He made it to the presidency because he was a parody of our current political system. He was a walking joke of our. Yeah, he was the parody. Cuomo was the real thing, right? So, like, right, Washington and Trump got played up as this. uh, You know, he's a sexual monster he's uh you know corrupt that's all these things and it actually turns out that we actually have this real life existing right here in our little hometown of albany new york yeah we got i mean he, they are the same person it, they are almost identical human beings they are egomaniacs they are absolutely power hungry and it is a you are loyal to them over the party over the cause over the ideals that's what their goal is for you to have their loyalty to your loyalty to them over anything else that is unhealthy in a constitutional republic. It's unhealthy in any form of democracy. And it's something that we all should be on the same page for of, listen, me and the average person on the street have far more in common than I have with Donald Trump or Andrew Cuomo. So I will not carry water for either of these two because I find them both to be egomaniacal sociopaths that have no business telling anybody else what to do with their lives. And I'm least of all going to turn and fight with somebody else to defend either of them. I would much rather say, nah, screw them both. You're right. That's it. Like, I, they are both, and then you always get into, like, well, you know, Cuomo's was bad, but it, Trump's was way worse. Like, how? I, like, honestly, how? I just, like, you're splitting hairs at best here. And I, I happen to disagree. I think what Cuomo has done has been worse than what Trump did. Even I object, that doesn't make what Trump did right. It's at least Trump went through the trouble of trying to hide it a little bit or was so blatantly obvious that it was just a gray area of staying at Trump properties when they went somewhere. Like, okay, yeah, that's not right. What if the Trump property was giving them such a discount that it was 20% less expensive than anywhere else? Then is it still wrong? I mean, I think so, yes, but it's probably at least a gray area. Like that, And then the same thing when Obama used to go on vacations to Hawaii and the Republicans were all upset. The Democrats were like, no big deal. And then they come like out. When the Clintons went on vacation to Epstein Island. Oh, God. Okay, well, some Sorry. things are still indefensible regardless of party. But either way, like you keep going back and forth and everybody's got this selective outrage. As if Donald Trump or Andrew Cuomo give a single shit about any one of us. As if they wouldn't toss us out a window if they felt like it was better for their own career. And then go home and sleep at night. This is why I don't understand the infighting that goes on. And everybody, like, I I get the added privilege of hearing it from both sides about how wrong I am about their party. And I just have to laugh because it's the exact same arguments. And I'm like, look, fine. You had your opinion. God bless you. I'm I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to change your mind. You're you're committed. I was there once. And now I've just had my eyes. I've seen too many things. I've seen too much corruption that has become the point of being indefensible. Yeah. So I can't defend either party. I think they're both utterly corrupt, and we have a system in place to keep out anybody else. So the two power, the two parties share absolute power. 
Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Great men, therefore, are typically bad men. We're seeing that live in action in our country, in our state, and it's sad because nobody wants to just accept that and go, yeah, I did vote for a guy who's a piece of garbage. I did because I thought his policies were a little better than the other guy who is also a piece of garbage. Or I voted third party because both of these guys are pieces of garbage. Even though I knew my candidate wasn't going to win, it was still worth it because I didn't want to vote for either one of them. All of these are acceptable responses. Yeah. Crazy world. It's getting crazier. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, I mean, $85 farts. That's... <laughs> $85,000 doodles from John Cleese. 50000 My bad. That's not stretch. Oh, my, sorry. That's reasonable then. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So uh, I'm all done here, Mr. Hughesong. Would you like to leave the folks with any enlightening news? I do want to let everybody know that I forgot to ask everybody to like, share, and subscribe the uh, show. So Dang. if you made it this far, please like, share, and subscribe for the show and uh, share it with all your friends and family. Uh, hit the notification bell, too. You'll get notified when we go live and then uh, post new content. I want to remind everybody that the uh, Syracuse-Houston basketball game will be at 9.55 p.m. It's a shame for all the parts. Saturday, <laughs> March 27th. Maybe we'll get a curfew reprieve before March 27th at 10.55 p.m. Because you know that game's going to start later than 10.55. Of course it too. is. Oh so, God. yeah, we're still working, if you guys don't remember, 11 p.m. curfew. So we get to watch the first uh, half, maybe. Um, that, listen, just to add on to that, yeah. we have a curfew. That's it. That's crazy. I know. Over, oh, God. And again, these poor business owners in this city in particular, because this should be such a big time of year for them. And you got to kick everybody out at 11 p.m. on a Friday or Saturday. Oh, it's brutal. I just remembered that I'm I'm bartending a party Saturday night. Are you? A birthday party. Whose birthday? Not mine. No, not yours. I thought you said you're you're bartending. No, my I, party I was just putting the dates like, together. I'm, I'm like, wait, party. I'm going to be out that day, so no, oh, that'll be interesting. I'm All not right. having a party, so you can't All be right. bartending. So, mine. I, sorry for the, the extended drivel there at the end, but uh, we will see you all again next Monday. Uh, we will have another show for you guys then. Uh, I'm sure we'll break down more New York politics, more sports, uh, more March Madness. Hopefully, SU is uh, playing in the Final Four, and uh, we'll have something uh, super excited to talk about. Heck yeah! Let's all do right. this. On that note. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you again, and uh, we'll see you all next week.